Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of Christ. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast, episode number 71. I'm glad you're here with me as I share with you how I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the presence of Christ. So I'm reading a novel that I heard about online, and it is really something. Now, I'm recording this before I finished the novel. Where I am right now in it, the story has taken a turn, and um, I want to actually record about the first two-thirds of the book before I get to the ending, which I hope to later on today, turning into a bit more of a page-turner. The name of the book, the novel, is called simply The Wall, and it's by John Lanchester, L-A-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R, and um, I guess it would fit into the genre of speculative fiction. By this, I mean stories that are set in a world much like our own, that is recognizable in many ways, but has a twist or a difference, and basically the idea of the story is how does that different, but similar world play out. In this particular world, there is the change. Now by this is meant to signify climate change because the story takes place on an island, presumably England, although it's not named as such. It's a country though with a lot of coastline. And after the change, this nation has built a wall, a solid concrete high fortified wall to keep out the others. Now, the others are refugees who are trying to come from presumably the rest of the world, trying to get over the wall. The wall is staffed by military folks, mostly young people who are conscripted as part of their society into two years worth of duty. And they are stationed on the wall in a very regimented, very formal Um, system, and their entire purpose is to shoot and kill any of the others who try to get over the wall. And their penalty is additional time on the wall if they are insubordinate or they fail in their duties. So they add on to the two years of mandated time on the wall. And even worse, if an other gets over the wall on the person's shift, meaning from the sea into the country, then the defender or defenders equal to the number of others who have gotten in, they are sent to the sea. They're basically put out into the sea. The defenders, the citizens of the country are abandoned into the sea and presumably death. Now, I want to read to you a few passages, three actually, that I um, encountered so far in my reading. And I think each of these is significant because this book is meant to be not satirical because it's not humorous. Um, It's actually fairly sparse in its storytelling. It does focus on an individual and there is some plot and, and definitely character development, but it's really more about the world, again, a world not too different than the way our world could potentially be in the future, a world and how that plays out. So I'm going to read these three passages to you and let them sit for themselves. And then I'll continue 
to um, reflect on how I experience Christ's presence in this story as I conclude the podcast. So here is the first quote from page 44 and 45 in the book. Again, this is The Wall by John Lanchester. And this focuses on the captain of the group of defenders, the squad of defenders, that our main character, our narrator, our first-person narrator, is a part of. So he finds out that the captain was an other. It was one of those things you're told which make no sense. And at the same time, you immediately know, right down in yourselves, are true. The captain was an other. Of course he was. Until about 10 years ago, others who showed they had valuable skills could stay at the cost of exchanging places with the defenders who had failed to keep them out. The law was changed because this fact became known to others and started to act as a pool factor, a reason they came here. Now today, others who get over the wall have to choose between being euthanized, becoming help, or being put back to sea. There's no escape and no alternative now that everybody in the country has a chip. Without one, you'd last about 10 minutes. So even if they get over the wall and then get away, they're always caught and offered the standard choice. Almost all of them choose to be help. The attraction is that if they have children, the children are raised as citizens. That's after being taken away from their parents, of course. Others tend to be breeders. You see the kids all around the place, often with older parents or parents who are a visibly different ethnicity from their children. The captain must have been one of the last to get through before the new laws. No wonder he was a fanatic. No wonder his bite was worse than his bark. His scars were tribal scars, and yet he had left behind his tribe and was now a defender, one of us. A little bit later in the book, not much further actually, the main character, again this defender, he goes home and offers this very interesting and perhaps even prescient about what our future world could look like about generations. He says, none of us can talk to our parents. By us, I mean my generation, people born after the change. You know that thing where you break up with someone and say, it's not you, it's me. This is the opposite. It's not us, it's them. Everyone knows what the problem is. The diagnosis isn't hard. The diagnosis isn't even controversial. It's guilt, mass guilt, generational guilt, the old fear they irretrievably effed up the world that allowed us to be born into it. You know what? It's true. That's exactly what they did. They know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. To make things worse, the old didn't do time on the wall because there was no wall, because there had been no change, so the wall wasn't needed. This means that the single most important, informative experience in the lives of my generation, the big thing we all have in common, is something about which the olds have exactly no clue. The life advice, the knowing better, the back-in-our-day wisdom, which, according to books and films, was a big part of the whole deal between parents and children, just doesn't work. Want to put me straight about what I'm doing wrong in my life, granddad? No thanks. Why don't you travel back in time and un-F up the world and then travel back here And maybe then we can talk. Obviously, a bit of anger and spite and even hatred from one generation to the next. That's on page uh, 53 and 54. And um, it comes right after that, follows a, a passage about beaches and how beaches no longer exist in the world because they've been swallowed up by sea level rise and how people mostly the olds and some of the young 
watch footage of beaches, surf movies and similar in a way that others might watch pornography, kind of having that sort of place in in their lives. I want to read one more short passage before I um, reflect briefly on how I experience Christ's presence in this. This is later in the book when the main character and his um, partner go to his partner's mother's home, who is an older person, again, of the parents' generation, and they discover that she has help, which is capitalized H with a capital H um, throughout the text. The mother says this, I know it's terrible to have help, she said, once we had got to the cottage and she had sent the help to the shops in search of missing dinner ingredients. If you had said when I was younger that I would have help, not that it existed in those days, but had explained to me what it is and that I would one day be making use of it, I would not have believed you. Another human being at one's beck and call just by lifting a finger simply provided to one, in effect, one's personal property. Though, of course, they are technically the property of the state. There are all sorts of monitorings and safeguards. It isn't at all like such arrangements in the benighted past. It is a form of providing welfare and shelter and refuge to the wretched of the world. But no, still, I would not have believed you. It is a falling away, a lessening of one's own humanity, a decline in one's own standards. But what could I do? I had you coming, and I am not getting any younger. Please don't say anything polite. This was addressed to me, though the truth is I hadn't been going to say anything in the first place. We both know it's true. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if we're being completely honest, the spirit isn't always willing either. Age is a terrible thing, a terrible opponent. People of your time in life don't understand this, but you come to find it to be true. Perhaps the only thing which is true for all humans everywhere. The terribleness of age, our deepest piece of common humanity. And then the author goes on to comment how this older woman, his partner's mom, is really about being the center of everything and and trying to mitigate the guilt that they have. So Christ's presence in the midst of a story like this, a story that, at least so far, and again, I have about a third of it left, is definitely not hope punk. There is mostly grimdark here in this particular story. That being said, I find Christ's presence in a prophetic sense, that this feels very real in the sense of how walls are being used as both metaphors and also as actual political icons and points of contention. Just as an aside, a little while ago, within the hour or so, um, Congress, the House, failed to override Trump's uh, emergency declaration, so we will be moving forward with his wall. And secondly, I, I feel that this story is prophetic and illustrates or brings Christ's presence again as a warning, a warning for what humans not only can do to each other with the hints of slavery and the help with the totalitarianism and the authoritarianism enforcing the defenders and so much more. There's a whole part about elites and presumably eugenics and folks who are breeders and so much more that doesn't feel that fantastic in the sense of being fantasy that couldn't happen. 
In fact, it already feels in many ways that this is happening, or at least the path toward this is already begun. So I, I sense Christ's presence in this as a, a warning, as a parable of what could come. And Christ certainly had, as Jesus would tell, parables of doom and gloom and things to come, warnings. And I, I feel like this novel is within that. So I will wrap up with just a question or two. What have you read lately? Fiction, not nonfiction, news articles or websites. But what have you read recently in the world of fiction that you have felt Christ's presence through it, not as encouraging in the sense of comforting, but the other half of the famous saying designed to afflict the comfortable? When have you and where have you recently felt Christ's presence in that? So, as always, thank you for listening. This did go a bit longer than my hoped uh, casting. I hope you check out this book, The Wall, and I am sure I'll record another episode when I finish the book and I'm able to offer um, a little bit more about the scope of the story. As always, thanks for listening. Blessings and peace.